0: Imagine you're very, very, very similar to another person. You could communicate in a very seeming way and very uh, few misunderstandings. But the more you project yourself in the future, the more different you get from yourself and the more important it is to treat your future self as a different person with all the possibilities of misunderstanding of different interpretations and so on and so forth.
1: Welcome to the Become a Writer Today
0: podcast
1: with Brian Collins. Here you'll find practical advice and interviews
0: for all kinds of writers.
1: If I could show you a simple process for organising all of your research, writings and ideas, would you be interested? Hi there, my name is Brian Collins and welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast. And in this week's interview with Sasha Fast from Germany, we're going to talk about how you can create a slip box. But first, here's a quick personal update for me. So lately, I've been reading a lot of biography and memoir. I've been reading books like Black Boy by Richard Wright and also Richard Pryor's memoir. And I guess that's been inspired by the social unrest, which was making a lot of news at the time of recording this week's podcast interview. But before that, I'd also been reading books by the likes of Mary Carr about how to write more memoir and tell personal stories, because it's something that I want to do more of for my next book, I'm still working on what my next book will be about, but I'd like to explore the topic of parenting. But rather than just writing an instructional parenting book, uh, I'd like to get into some of my experiences of parenting. In case you don't know, I've got three small kids, well, two small kids and one teenager. So I have a 18 or 19 month old baby. I have a nine year old daughter and a 14 year old teenager. So it's the full spectrum. So teenager, child and baby. And there's definitely lots of interesting things that happen with three kids. And it's a topic I'd like to explore in my next book. So I've written a series of articles about parenting and about some of the things that have happened when, you know, I've been raising three kids. And it's a bit different because normally I write about, you know, business, self-help or entrepreneurship and so on. So I guess I've been reading more memoir and more autobiography to see how, you know, the masters of the craft do it. And of course, when you're writing a book, an important part of writing is the research process, particularly if you're writing nonfiction, and even if you're telling personal stories, it's still important to research. And that brings me up to the topic for this week's episode, which is how to create a slip box. So I came across the strategy or process of a slip box earlier on in 2020, and it's dramatically changed how I research and edit my articles and books. Slipbox in German translates as Zettelkasten, and you'll have to excuse my pronunciation. And basically, this form of research and note taking was popularized by the sociologist and author Nicholas Luhmann, who during his career wrote over 70 books. Basically, the slip box involves creating a web of thought about your ideas, research and readings. So what I'll do is I'll write five to 10 entries a day into my personal slip box, which is a little bit like journaling. So I get up in the morning, write a 15 minute journal entry, and then I'll write five to 10 ideas based on a book I read, or some articles that I've come across, or just some observations about things like parenting, which of course is the book that I'm working on. Now, a slip box is relatively easy to create, provided you follow a few simple rules, which we'll explore in this week's interview. But basically, you just create one single entry in your slip box per idea. And you can do this in Evernote, or you can do it in day one, or you can use pen and paper. Uh, There's also some dedicated slip box apps, which this week's interviewee has created. You should also link your notes to each other, so that way you're building a web of thought that I've described. And you should use descriptive headings, so that when you're going back through your notes and research, you can see what each entry in your slipbox refers to. And of course, you can go back and rewrite them as well. And you should categorize your entries so that you have a way of organizing your ideas. Now, of course, there's a little bit more to it than that, and it took me a while to get my head around the concept. Uh, but then I came across a fantastic website about the entire process, and it's. Called zettelkasten.de. So that's Z E T T E L K A S T E N dot D E. And I'd encourage you to visit that site because there are real world examples about how you can create and use a zip box along with some photos and imagery and so on. But I wanted to also speak to an expert on the topic. And I had the opportunity to catch up with Sasha Fast, who runs the website that I've just given you information about. And in this week's interview, he explains what exactly a slip box is and how you can use one for writing. He also gets into how to create your slip box and what you should put in each of your entries. And he talks about why it's ideal for nonfiction writers. And he's actually using the slip box to write 70, that's right, 70 books. But don't worry, he also explains why you shouldn't try and write them all at once, so to speak, and how you can focus on just one. And he also talks about the tools that you can use to create your slip box. We get into a lot more in this week's interview. But before we start, if you're listening to the show, can you leave a rating on the iTunes store or a short review wherever you're listening to the podcast? Because more reviews and more ratings will help more listeners find the Become a Writer today podcast. Now with that over to Sasha and my first question, which was to explain what exactly a slip box is and how you can get started creating one.
0: Yeah. So the basic idea is to improve on general note-taking. And as we all know, note-taking is like the transition phase from outside sources to your own knowledge and material, and then later should translate to your own writing. And the custom is basically a tool to organize this process of note-taking. And that means it should improve thinking, writing, and organizing text later on. And in the gist, it's more or less a hypertext with multiple caveats to it. But the hypertextual trait is generating the the magic of the Zettelkasten. It creates the living part of it rather than being just a dead uh, pile of notes. So there's a couple of principles that
1: inform how to create a Zettelkasten or a slipbox and put entries into
0: it. Would you be able to walk listeners through what, what those are? Yeah. So based on... Luhmann's article, uh, Luhmann wrote an article, it's available online. Uh, communication with slip boxes is the translation, uh, freely available. This is the um, German author who, who came up with the concept. Yeah, this concept we are using now, it's like practice of keeping a custom is uh, hundreds of years old, Yeah, but he counts as the godfather. of. And his, he, he wrote dozens of books using this method. Yeah, uh, at least 50 and I think over published over 500 articles. Yeah. Very productive person. Yeah. Scientific books as well. So the research required
1: for those is quite a yeah, lot.
0: Yeah. He, he was very famous for a very broad range of reference from antique noble writings, from some uh, some kings and, and private letters to neuroscience and everything in between. Yeah. But uh, the main principles are, first, there are basically no categories. Um, so... How you uh, put it into practice is up to the software, but we use just a folder of text files and each node or each settle. A settle is an individual node in the settle custom lingo gets a fixed address that never should change. Or you use software that, uh, governs the changes. Like in, uh, uh if you use Wiki software, uh, the software normally changes the title if you change the link. I don't recommend it, but it's a possibility and some people use it like that. And then you create hypertext. So linking is the next principle. And I say from the practical uh, principles aside, so there are not many principles. Everything should be in your own words. So you're front-loading the processing part of your sources. That means not extensive collecting of, of sources or something like that, but you process on the go and build up your knowledge base organically. I think that's basically the main principles. And other than that, it gets more individual. And yep. uh, the cell customers is more or less yeah, a toolbox of uh, related principles that can be tailored to any person's uh, preferences of work. I think you
1: described why the method appealed to me so much. Because in the past, I would research something or read an article and I would just save it all into a tool like Evernote. And I would keep all the research in Evernote. But then mm-hmm. I found it hard to sift through my my own notes versus the research. Whereas now what I'm doing is I will just read something and rather than feeling like I need to save it all in a place, I'll just write a 100-word reaction to what I read. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just put the link to the source. And I'm actually using a journaling app for this, which is day one. Uh, mm-hmm. But I know you can use lots of different apps. And I know you have an app you recommend. But that for me is is the key differentiator between just putting everything into a large bucket, so to speak.
0: Yeah, I think that's a perfect point to expand on because as far as I read it, most of the attention is put to the system itself, how to place links and and various techniques that you can use with varying software solutions. But one of the main parts is the behavior that results from the interaction of the settlecast. What you're describing is like a behavioral shift. It has nothing to do with the immediate, uh, with the Zettelkasten with the itself, because you could do it without a Zettelkasten and decide, okay, no, I don't collect as much and I process directly and just put it somewhere. But the Zettelkasten itself, it nudges you to better behaviors. It nudges you, for example, with the linking aspect. There's one rule for the custom we applied is no note or note settle without a connection. So there are no often nodes. And this forces you to connect everything you learn to what you already learned. Yeah. And that's a behavioral thing. It's not it's not only part of the system, but it makes it changes you as a researcher and writer. That's definitely
1: something I found helpful. It's also another principle I found helpful is that one
0: idea per note or per entry rather than many ideas. Yeah, that's another rule, I should say, because it tracks down to what you want uh, to create. Because the one thought per note rule gives one note an address, so one thought has an address. So you can link thoughts uh, to each other. On the contrast would be something like Wikipedia. It's a hypertext, and you can link to several texts, but not a web of thoughts, but a web of pages or web of excerpts you can do. For example, the normal practice, I don't know how widespread it is, but in German a university, creating excerpts is one of the main staples. And if you create excerpts, and each excerpt has, has an address, you create a web of excerpts. And that's a different thing from a web of thoughts. But we think in thoughts, obviously, A web of thought is what you want to create. It's not a web of pages. It's not a web of excerpts or uh, a category system or something like that. web of thoughts is what you are or what you think. And that should reflect uh, to the note-taking. Yeah, I like that.
1: It's a nice metaphor, a web of thoughts. So when I create an entry, I mean, here's what I do. I mean, you can tell me if I'm Mm -hmm. doing it wrong. So I'll read a book about, let's say... Managing money for a business, or a book about writing advice, and I'll find a quote in the book that I think is particularly interesting, like two or three lines. Highlight it, copy it into the Zettelkasten, and then I'll write a hundred and fifty words about the quote and why I think it's important or useful. And then I'll I'll put a link, or I'll put a the citation for the quote so I can find it again at the yeah. bottom of the entry. And then at the very top, then I'll I'll put a I'll sum up the entry with kind of a verb or action statement, something like find power and repetition. So that was an entry mm. about mm. strength training that I had. Or another one I have is um, focus on asset allocation, not timing. So mm. That was an entry about financial management. And I have one here about writing, which is tie personal events to real world events. So mm. Am I making any mistakes or is there another approach I should follow? No,
0: it's, uh, it's quite the opposite. Because the basic problem with just collecting is... You're not creating any knowledge. Information is dead. Like, yeah. um, uh, for example, one could put the information, like uh, making notes, that we are now recording the podcast. But why is it relevant? Why is this information relevant? For a historian, for example, a historian of the custom method, it could be relevant because it's an historic event that takes place in the his- history of the custom. And so a an historian would... Uh, process this exact podcast for his research and say, okay, now, for example, we share an idea and this is reflective of what the main ideas of Zellkasten is. And he basically processed it as a historian. And uh, what you basically did is the practical implication. So you took a piece of knowledge and connected it via the practical relevancy. Yeah. And so anything you process should have some relevance and the connection make it more easy to, to see the relevance. So what you did is taking note and processing a relationship to you. So you read a piece of information and it's relevant because this is the implication and it can be founded like a rule. Do this or do that. And if you connect it to another note, you can, uh, for example, say, Okay, this note is relevant, or this settle is relevant to the other note because of this. For example, you could summarize, or let's say you have a piece of uh, writing advice, for example, tie historical events to personal events. And you can have something similar, or uh, another note about uh, the strangeness of similar patterns, like the web of veins looks similar, like the web of on leaves, or like uh, trees, or something. And you can link both. To uh, another note, and say there are general patterns in reality, and writing should reflect those general patterns. So this is how the how the web of thoughts create uh, in quotation mark uh, knowledge because it puts information into relationships. So knowledge thoughts get to be part of a web of thoughts. This webbing is yeah. what makes the newness of information. And then you just collect it in your Zettelkasten and then uh, new ideas happen to be in your writing. I guess that's pretty interesting. Um, so I'm
1: curious, can an entry just have an observation that I have? Or should it have some some research as well? Like, for example, I'm, I'm writing a book about parenting. Mm-hmm. So I have observations about parenting from daily family life because I've got three kids. Mm-hmm. So I could put one of those into the Zettelkasten but but I, I wouldn't have any research
0: to go alongside it. Is that okay? Yeah, everything is, is okay. But this is basically creating knowledge because you are doing the work of an empirical scientist, like a like a field study. So collecting data, just stating the data is often quite useful because later on, when you uh, do interpretation or uh, to distill theories or something like that, you always want to have the data put in place. I do it in my own Work like when I read studies, I make sure that I just describe what is done in the studies in the most unbiased way possible. So when I review my empirical uh, my empirical data in my Zettelkasten, custom, I have an unbiased base, and then I write notes about that. So I don't read the studies anymore, yep. but have the sum the, the body of knowledge in my Zettelkasten custom, and then I could have rivaling uh, interpretations of that. Yeah, that's actually something I've come across since I've started
1: the method. So I I was reading a book about how to manage finances for a small business like like my business. Mm. And the person wrote in the book, gave one piece of advice. And then I read another book where the person gave a completely conflicting piece of advice. And I don't think I would have come across that unless I'd got into the habit of saving entries in the casting. One thing I'm struggling with is the actual headings on the entries. Should they start with verbs? Or is the statement
0: enough? Or do you have any kind of tips for how I can get that right? Well, one piece of advice would be like observing your own patterns. I have, uh, for example, uh, made it a habit when I'm collecting concepts that I always have like the word, and then I always have as, and then how the definition works. For example, I have uh, various definitions of attention. So I have attention as a product, attention as uh, okay. psychic energy and, uh, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And that's a specific type of settle or note in my settle custom. I think the best title would be the least exciting title. In the beginning phase of my own, of my own journey, I thought of the title like, uh, like normal text titles. And titles have various uh, functions to make the text more interesting, to mislead the reader, to make the text surprising, and so on and so forth. And the least surprising title is, is the best. I think that rule led to improvement in my own title making. Okay, I'll try that. I, mean, I, was, I was interested that you said the reader,
1: because my understanding is that the end, the slip box is really just for me, but then I will take what's in it and turn it into an article or a book.
0: Ah, yeah, but the question is, who's you? Because... What you're reading now in your Zettelkasten is not you reading yourself, but your past self (laughs) is writing for your future self. And this sounds like a trick, like a trick model or something, but it's really true because your past self should be very different from your present self. And your present self is the future past self to your future self. So imagine you're very, very, very similar to another person. You could communicate in a very seeming way and very uh, few misunderstandings. But the more you project yourself in the future, the more different you get from yourself. And the more important it is to treat your future self as a different person with all the possibilities of misunderstanding of different interpretations and so on and so forth. So basically, you're not writing for yourself, but for another person. And the more, or at least in my experience, the more I respect that fact, the better my writing got.
1: Yeah. Okay, I'll try and remember that. What would you say is the difference between a personal journal
0: and a Zettelkasten? There does not need to be a difference. Because in my own Zettelkasten, I have entries for my personal journal, like reflections on my future plans or how uh, family history worked out for me or something like that. And there are, of course, there are links to many other departments in my custom. For example, I have, for my work, I have extensive, done extensive research on uh, psychology and change, personal change and behavioral things and something like that. And in my Zellkasten, I have links. I have links from, for example, some habit formatting and experience with my grandfather and something like that. And the question is, yeah, the difference should be the purpose. A settle is more like a thinking tool. You should formalize more your thinking and make it useful in something like that. And a journal is nothing you should uh, need to come back. It's nice to read what you what your thoughts back in the day, but you don't make your thoughts back in the day really useful. I think this yeah. is one of the main distinctions. You can use, of course, your your journals and have insights or something like that or put something into perspective. But the purpose of journaling, in my opinion, is not to make what you wrote useful, but just to write and be yeah happy. that's that's a good
1: distinction, so it's okay to go back and edit a slip box entry yeah, of course it's it's part of the process, yeah, whereas a journal entry I mean, I rarely would edit a journal entry unless I see a typo got the
0: noise yeah <laughs> it would be it would be akin to uh, nineteen eighty four if you change your own journal entries yeah yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> so my other question is in terms of like the cadence of entries into the Zettelcast, and like I can tell you what my process is, and maybe you could just talk about your process mm. for a little bit. So, so I write usually in the morning time, and you know I start the day with a short journal entry, and then I'll write in about four or five entries into the slip box based on something I've read. So that whole process, the journal entry and the en- and the process of putting slip box entries into the Zettelcast, takes about a half an hour, and mm. then I'll move on. So I've been doing this for the past three months. So I have about 700 cell casting entries. So that's quite a lot. But I I did have some other research I brought in. So uh, you've been doing this a bit longer. So I'm curious what your process is like.
0: I think one of the best books that's useful for that question is uh, Deep Work by Carl Newport. Yeah, great Because cell casting work just means concentrated work. And all the methods uh, or all the aspects of Carl Newport uh, Mentions in his book are useful for the cell custom. In fact, I have a department in my cell custom based on this book that is applied to the cell custom. Method. I personally do have, I think, two two ways of putting notes uh, or settle in my in my cell custom. The one is just background noise. I'd say when I, for example, if I have a client and I explain something, I always uh, I always test if the explanation can be part of my Zettelkasten and then it's just copy-paste. I copy-paste uh, part of the email, then uh, link it to other Zettel, and then it's just part of my knowledge base. And everything I do, I always question myself, could this be part of my Zettelkasten and be of future use? And the other way of creating entries are concentrated sessions. So I have two days a week where I do nothing but uh, do Zettelkasten work. So yeah. most, most of the time I have a book that I read and that I put markings on it. And then I go just from front uh, front to back and process all the marked uh, parts. And in my case, I always go to the primary source. So if something is in the book and there's a footnote or reference to to a study, I always read the study. And if the study is basically referencing this from another source, I I search for that until I get to the bottom of the issue because I don't want to base my work on secondary opinions, but always uh, on the primary ones. Yeah, and that's the real value, I think, for
1: any nonfiction
0: writer. So you must have thousands of entries, then. Yeah, oh, I can just look it up. I think next to ten thousand, I think. Yeah, nine thousand two hundred and four notes at wow. this moment. And you said look it up. So
1: I, I'm on your site. You recommend a piece of software. Is that software that you and your team have developed, or, or
0: uh, yeah, of of course I recommend my own software. Yeah, yeah that um, looks good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the archive. It's just it's focused on plain text. So we have a different principles, and one is we call it uh, software agnosticism. Yeah, because I don't want to be boxed in in a particular kind of software, and because of my own software history, I, I should say I tested twenty different softwares, and it was always a pain to to export my uh, Zettelkasten and then uh, uh, use different one. And plain text just allows uh, for many different software. And we have many different software users. Some use uh, uh, Sublime Text and and others use our software and uh, so on and so forth. And my recommendation is to tailor the method in a way that you can use just a plain uh, text editor. Because basically uh, Zettelkasten is a bunch of text. Yeah. so you just use text editors because that's software to manip- uh, manipulate text in the best way possible and it's fine so to much. also use uh, mm-hmm. index cards and pen and paper as well that's a possibility i'm, I'm hesitant to re- uh, recommend it because it's i find it very like romantic to use paper and pen uh, like yeah. back in the days but they're in my opinion too much disadvantages it's like but it depends what you are doing if you are Let's say you, you are a retired engineer and just want to uh, have fun, then then do what is fun. And it's not uh, so important that you are the most productive. But if you are like a professional nonfiction writer, I would opt for the digital version because it's more powerful. You are a nonfiction
1: writer as well. You mentioned you're working on a book.
0: Yeah, not only on one book. That's the strange part of the Zettelkasten method. You can work on books, uh, many books at a time. Yeah, Because there's a scene in Men in, uh, in Black, Part two, I think, where the where the agent, the behind the scenes in in the mailing office he works in, and there's the alien with like twenty arms or something like that, in an <laughs> insane manner of sorting the sorting the letters in in categories. And that telecaster allows for that. So you just put it in, I'll put your input in, and if yeah. you follow the method, each each note goes in the right direction. So, to be honest, I'm I'm writing like a uh, seventy books at a time. And the process, I concentrate on one. Yeah. And all the other books get get written in like side quests or something like
1: that. So at some point, you're going through your slip box and taking out all of the entries and putting them into a manuscript?
0: Yeah, basically like that. Normally, I create one note for for a book. Yeah, And it's like an outline. Or it's basically an outline. And then if some settlers or note is relevant for, for this book, I put it at the right place. And at some point, I have enough material. Yeah, and it's basically a finished rough first draft and I only need editing. Okay. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, I'd
1: see how that would appeal for nonfiction. So, Stasha, it was great to talk to you today. Where can people find out more information about you, the Zettelkasten, or your work, or your software, which is called Archive?
0: They're, the main place is zettelkasten.de. And uh, we have a great community. You can be part on and talk to other like-minded people about the method.
1: Yeah that's the mid-place. For people who don't speak German, that's C-E-T-T-E-L-K-A-S-T-E-N dot D-E. But yeah, thank you for, for uh, talking me through it. Oh, my pleasure. Also for, for your work on your site because I was a bit confused when I read about it at first, but it but really did clarify it for me because there are examples on your site which I recommend listeners check out. But it was great to talk to you today. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. If you did, please leave a rating on the iTunes store. And if you want to accomplish more with your writing, please visit becomeawritertodaycom forward slash join and I'll send you a free
0: email course. Thanks for listening.